This is the Wide Awake Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirsten Kazarian. As a child psychologist, I believe the most important part of the work I do is supporting parents by helping them deeply attune to their child and find their own balance of connection, nourishment, and inspiration. To do this, I lean on the practice of mindfulness. Join me in a conversation about raising our kids, raising our consciousness, and trying to stay awake. Today, we're talking about co-parenting after divorce or separation with an especially tricky co-parent. Finally, this episode is a culmination of the most asked questions we receive, and they really tug at my parent heartstrings because they're questions filled with worry, panic, and fear. We're starting here instead of general tips for co-parenting because those resources are out there. In fact, we have a couple great books that go through that on our Books We Love page on WideAwakeParenting.com. Today, we're looking at co-parenting gone off the rails or no co-parenting at all. We're looking at the worst case scenarios. What do you do when your co-parent doesn't put a unified front up for your child? They make decisions that deeply concern you, or they badmouth you in front of your child. If you're fortunate enough not to be in this situation, stay with us because all parents can benefit from our nine tips today for how to manage disrespectful or challenging behavior from anyone that is around your child. It may be a relative that doesn't believe in your lifestyle or parenting methods, a childcare provider that refuses to follow through on a practice you value, or a parenting disagreement between you and a partner you love very much and have no intention of divorcing. This situation can make us feel powerless and incredibly stressed out. However, as we move through our tips, I hope you're reminded of the basics that make your child's wellness. And as always, I'm hoping this information empowers you, and in this case, reminds you there's so much you can do for your child, even when it feels like you're out of options. A couple notices before we get rolling. First, if you're in any way concerned about your child's safety, We are going to discuss interventions you can use to support them, but this is not to be done in the place of getting legal advice or reaching out to proper law enforcement. You need to do that first. On a lighter note, I want to mention how many parents I get to work with who do this really tough job co-parenting with tons of grace. It happens, you guys. It is possible. And you may not be there now, but I encourage you to allow yourself to be open to that possibility. With all that said, let's begin. So there's this yucky co-parenting cloud around you and your child. You and your fellow co-parent are not communicating effectively or maybe even respectfully. You're deeply concerned about the effect this is having on your child's overall wellness. Maybe you've tried mediation or even offered to attend co-parenting therapy, but for so far, this just hasn't worked. You've been put in this incredibly tough position of accepting that for now, this is your child's experience, and it does not look like the conscious parent's guide to co-parenting. 
how does a parent in this situation manage? Well, no matter how you choose to deal, the best foundation is to grab all your mindfulness skills. Magnificently useful for when we have absolutely zero control over a situation. So accepting that when your child is not with you, the parenting method is either an unknown or known and deeply disliked is where you begin to sit. This is no easy task, but it brings you into reality where your child really needs you to be so you can monitor their safety, monitor their stress level, and then bring them the good vibes. The stress and worry you feel can be overwhelming. Use the mindfulness skill of keeping things in perspective. Especially immediately after a separation or divorce, parents may be like each in their own personal crisis that does eventually subside and leave space for higher functioning communication later. If this does not happen for your family, you are about to become a parent warrior able to manage more difficult parenting decisions and challenges than you ever imagined. And you know you'll rise to this duty because it's what your child will need from you. The way in which you navigate this situation will be crucial for your child's sense of safety, security in their relationships, their identity and self-esteem and general functioning. And these are totally still on the table for your little one. They can absolutely have all of these things, even as the child of a less than perfect divorce. I'm listing our tips today in order from absolutely crucial to regular crucial. So let's start raining some good vibes down on your kiddo. Tip one, be a well-nourished parent. Don't skip over this. I know you're crazy busy and it feels like this is the thing you have to sacrifice. I rarely say this, but that would be a mistake. If you have ongoing resistance to your own self-care, I guarantee this crisis has the potential to kickstart a me-first mentality that will greatly benefit your parenting. We talk about parent self-care in every episode. You guys know it's foundational. In this case, it's survival. So strap on that oxygen mask. And for a wide awake parent, this is your nutrition, your connections, your inspiration, and your right to transform. We go into details on all of that on at wideawakeparenting.com. So check that out. And now here is how you get an oxygen mask on your baby. Tip two. Be curious about your child's experience. You may not want to hear about the fun your child's having uh, with their other parent or the disappointment your child experiences when they're there. You may not feel ready to hear about the new details of your ex's life. Right out the gate, here is an example of where your self-care is important. It's crucial you're open to everything your child wants to share about their experience, and you need to be well-supported in your connections and your nourishment if you're going to be able to authentically handle this task. And they can tell, right, if you're begrudgingly listening or truly open to what's important to them that you understand and know. This is how your child is processing this big change. It's the best way for you to monitor their safety too, if that's a concern. Because if they are all confused or worried, they'll start to run that stuff by you. 
And it's important to find a balance here too, as some parents may have the urge to interrogate their child after a visit with the other parent. I think we can all understand why someone wants to do this, but here is why it's not useful. First, it's incredibly stressful to your child. And also you risk leading a child to answer questions falsely in a way they hope either pleases you or gets you off their back. This will cause them to eventually clam up or give you inaccurate information. Your assignment is simple. Be open, be curious, and be a great listener for your child. Tip three, accept their thoughts and feelings about the process. You followed tip two and have been listening with curiosity, but your child's hurt, confusion, excitement, and anger are bound to bring up lots of your own heavy emotions around this big change. One of the most painful parts of a separation is that the family is not coordinated in their emotional response. Everyone is grieving in their own way and at their own pace. The style your ex or your children are grieving may cause you to become upset. Find friends and family to validate your experience and your place in your grief so that you can do the same for your child and accept all their feelings about this process. Tip four, help them create a safe haven. When our children are with us, we feel a certain sense of ease because we can physically observe them, monitor them, and keep them safe. Teaching our children skills to do this for themselves is empowering for their development, and it's a great preventative measure to help keep them as safe as possible when you're not around. If you haven't already done so, begin educating your child about their body, personal boundaries, and keeping secrets. These are loaded topics, so to make it easy on yourself, find a book that fits your values or family communication style to help anchor the conversation and begin incorporating it into your weekly routine. Look for situations where your child is learning about boundaries with their peers and use it as an opportunity to help them think about their own boundaries, what makes them comfortable, and what to do when they aren't. And finally, talk about the danger of secret keeping. It's totally acceptable for us to want privacy in our new household, but if you or the other parent are asking your child to keep secrets from each other, you're priming your child to accept this as normal, and they're more susceptible to abuse from a peer or a dangerous adult that would coerce them to keep the abuse a secret from those whom would help them. So lose the term secret from your vocabulary. Besides, you guys, secrets don't make friends, right? Five, be compassionate and non-judgmental. Your child may be hearing a lot of negative commentary right now, so let their time with you be fresh air. If you're worried about safety, being curious, open, calm, and non-judgmental is the best way to ensure your child will feel comfortable enough to bring their concerns to you. Holding their other parent in a non-judgmental light will also help them to more authentically examine their own feelings about what's going on. Keep in mind that no matter what their other parent has done, this child will build half of their identity from the other parent. They will use both of you to narrate their own story and their beliefs about who they are. So hold that other parent as gently as possible in your mind so your child has the opportunity to hold themselves with as much care and compassion as possible. 
This does not mean you have to make flowery or untrue statements about their parent. If these things aren't true, it will just confuse your kid anyways because and teach them not to trust their own judgment. Again, just listen to their perspective and validate it. Tip six, keep your opinions to yourself. I'm going to say it again. Their parent is half of them. They'll form their identity and their self-esteem from their relationship with both of you. They'll identify with the things you say about their other parent, and you may see them as separate, but your child does not. Keeping your opinions to yourself is the best practice here. Besides, your opinions may change, and especially if you're not communicating clearly with each other, you don't have the full story anyways. For your child's development of emotional intelligence, self-esteem, and trust in their own voice and judgment, you want them to know exactly how they feel and not have to be super impacted by your thoughts or your friends' and family's negative appraisal of their other parent. So keep mum and keep validating your child's experience of their other parent and of you. Seven, hold the structure. Ice cream for dinner does get you immediate smiles, but parenting is a long game practice. Check in with your parenting intentions. Don't let your values go out the window in order to compete with a parent whose head is not in the game. We all feel the best when we're well-nourished, well-rested, and have structures in our routines and our relationships. If it is an unpredictable party at the other home, keep in mind that this is exhausting for your child and does not allow them to build trust in that space or the people in it. Be the adult. Make sure your child has a safe haven of structure when they're with you. You can still serve ice cream after a dinner with lots of yummy nourishment. If you want to set or reset your parenting intentions or have questions about how to do this, check out episode seven of this podcast. Tip eight, enjoy your one-on-one time. When your child is with you, be present. Take time to be curious and playful together as well as reflective. Focus on the relationship between you and your child. Resist the urge to introduce them to the new people in your life, especially if your time together is limited. They are just not going to be as excited about these relationships as you are, and they may already see you less than they're used to, so sharing you with someone new is a lot to ask. They may get attached to your new relationship, and then when you're done with the relationship, they're hurt, confused, and you may see them actually reenacting their grief process out all over again. So we trust people that are constant and taking them on a relationship merry-go-round will degrade this trust. So of course, introduce them to a new partner, but give the relationship lots of time first. Let the adults handle as much of the adjustments as possible before you involve your child. Our final tip is to show them how strong you are. When you're being bad-mouthed to your own child, the feelings are intense, Plan to get support and practice some serious self-care. In the moment, let your child know, I'm sorry you had to hear that, but you don't have to worry about me or defend me. Many parents are fearful that this will color their child's opinion, and it will, but not of you. 
Yes, in severe situations, it can be detrimental to the relationship. So trust your gut and seek legal advice if you feel this is happening. But in most cases, you can have faith in human intelligence. Your child will form their own opinions and relationship based on your actions and the time you spend together. It may not be today or even this year, but eventually your child will understand the difference between relating toxically and not. And you have to be the not. Those were our nine tips to bring good vibes to your child in a bad co-parenting situation. I hope for those of you that needed this episode, this is a very limited time in your family's life. Get lots of support for yourself and professional support for your child if you notice that they are not thriving as before. I'm going to close the episode with something new and we'll plan to do this at the end of each show from now on. After connecting with many of you, I'm learning you're not just a deeply spiritual group, but you like the research and evidence our show provides to help you ground your parenting choices. So I'll be picking a snippet of a new research finding from the field of psychology in hopes to keep this show informative and to help fuel my own curiosity about the subject matter I love. Did you guys know? The more toddlers are exposed to complex and rich conversation, the better cognitive and language skills they develop in later childhood, finds a study in pediatrics. Researchers used computer software to analyze six months of recording from the homes of 146 infants and toddlers ages 2 to 36 months. They found that the number of conversational turns, that's the back and forth discussion between parent and child that children experienced ages 18 to 24 months, accounted for 14 to 27% of the variance in the child's IQ verbal comprehension, and vocabulary scores 10 years later, even after controlling for socioeconomic status. So you can check out Pediatrics Volume 142 to read the full article, and I'll include the link in our show notes, as well as our nine tips for bringing your child good vibes that we discussed in this episode. That is our show. I'm Dr. Kirsten Kazarian, and until we meet again, be gentle with yourself courageous on your path and let's help each other try to stay.